Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101, the average consumer's guide to cryptocurrency. This is Matthew Aaron. And we always compare Bitcoin to gold. We often refer to the gold standard. We often refer to Bretton Woods. We often say Bitcoin is the new reserve and the new gold. Is this true? So I wanted to know a little bit more about gold. And I invited Mr. Mike Greenacre to come back on the show, who is a professional in trading, buying and selling gold and tell us all about it. We're going to go through a little bit about the history. We're going to go through a little bit about current practices, how gold is managed, traded, stored and transported. And I'm going to ask him, is Bitcoin the new gold? And that's in our show today. But before we get into that show, please, wherever you're listening to this episode, smash that subscribe button and leave us a comment and a rating. It helps us stay visible. Thank you very much for listening. And to all the listeners, think about becoming a Patreon. Patreons, thank you for your support. We always put up extra content for you on the Patreon page. If it's articles, magazines, episodes, or just commentaries, we try to take care of you. And I'm also only a click away. Patreons, message me anytime to ask me any questions or with anything you want to talk about. I want to say thank you to Jay LaBella for editing this episode. And I also want to say, hey, if you haven't checked out Mr. Aaron Paul on ICO 101, his shows come out every Monday, 5 a.m. Eastern Time. So make sure you subscribe to ICO 101 with Mr. Aaron Paul. Also, a special thank you to LinkedIn for sponsoring this episode. And remember, this is not trading advice, financial advice, legal advice, or personal advice. And now without further ado, I want to get into this conversation about gold. We'll see you after the show. Mike Greenacre, serial entrepreneur. Welcome to Crypto 101, sir. Thank you very much, Matthew. Nice to be back. Mike, I'm very excited for you to be here today. First, having the patience to put up with. We have scheduled and rescheduled about three times. We have some technical issues today. People don't need to know this, but I'm telling them anyway. But we've been planning about eight months on this episode. Gold 101. And the importance of Gold 101 is we keep saying gold standard. We keep saying Bitcoin standard. We keep putting the two together. But today we're going to talk about the history of gold, why it's important, the past, how it changed over time, the future, what gold is doing today as you are an expert in that and how it's juxtaposed to Bitcoin and why that juxtaposition is either correct or erroneous. But before we get into all of that conversation, Mr. Greenacre, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm, uh, I'm a Brit. I uh, traveled around the world a little bit in my past life. I used to be in the oil industry on the exploration side. I grew up in the UK, spent 17 years abroad. The last few years of my travels abroad, the last 12 years to be exact, were in Switzerland. And the last few years of that is where I got involved in the gold business. When you look at gold globally, it probably trades in uh, three or four centers, Switzerland being one of them, London being the other. I started my gold career over in Switzerland and carried it on over here. So um, I've been involved in OTC, which is over the counter, which is kind of like a technical finance trade. And then there's also the physical side of the business where I'm not so experienced, but we're working on some projects which take us deep into that. Mike, I'm just going to go straight into it. The first question I have about gold is you might not even be able to answer this, but where did it all start? When did we start using gold as a form of currency? I think probably we're looking back to the uh, the 1700s and people wanted a medium of change and something that was constant to barter against. I think there's the Chinese were back in you know hundreds and hundreds over a thousand years ago were using it. The Spanish were running around South America and picking it up in the 1600s. And uh, I think it's just, it's one of those things that's Depending on where you're from in the world, it depends on your, your sense of, of what gold means to you. But I think it's one of those things that if you narrow it down, it's probably in people's top five things that you'd have to say everybody on the planet knows what gold is. That's interesting. I think you're 100% right. Everybody knows what gold is. But throughout history, it's not only been used in coins, in jewelry, adornment, in religious practices, but there's also been great quests and conquests for it. What is it about gold that gives us this sense of value, of rich, of grandeur, of accomplishment, of, I don't know, of royalty? What is it about gold? I think it's that thing which spans those centuries is it's a, it's a store of wealth for a certain amount of people. It's a luxury product and a luxury attribute to hold. It can't be 
copied. It can't be, you know, now you see there's there's uh, diamonds that can be made in a lab. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how true they are to real diamonds or that they are real diamonds. They're just they're just manufactured now. Those things are happen and alchemy, which is that it's not possible. You can't make gold. You can't create it. It's an element. I think when you look at it as a commodity, which some people class it as commodities, it's the only commodity we don't eat or burn. So I think it's kind of an interesting thing to consider that way. And there's the religious kind of sympathies that people have to gold are really, really quite interesting and unique, depending on the part of the world you're in. Where do you think those sympathies come from? Like, for example, I mean, when I was 18 years old, the first thing my mother got me as a birthday present, and, and she said this was like very valuable, was a gold chain, a gold necklace. And so it's just one of those things that people just automatically have value. Is it? Do you think it's cultural? Do you think that, you know, we've been passing this down for generations, for centuries, this cultural value of gold? Or do you think that there's something innate to gold itself that gives it that value besides its scarcity? Is it the luster? Is it the ability to craft with, with it? What is it about it? I remember the first time I held a gold bar and I'd been working in the bullion industry for probably 15 years and I'd never held a gold bar. And I remember my my children came running into my office one day looking around for where all the gold was. And we used to trade gold uh, OTC in the London market and I've been a, a trader and a broker. And when, when you actually hold a large bar of gold, so 400 ounce, 12 and a half kilo, London good delivery bar of gold. It's, you know, I've been in the gym. I know what 12 and a half kilos is and you can sit there and hold it. When, when it's gold, you 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 get a big smile and a big grin on your face. And I think it's just a unique product. There's just something about it. And you look at the Asians, they have a completely different idea to gold that we do in the West. And I think for them, it's it has a certain spiritual quality that there's, you know, the purity of it, sanctity, you can't use it for anything else other than storing wealth and adorning, making adornments out of it. And also they donate it to churches or they adorn their religious artifacts. And uh, you look at Russian icons through to spires of churches in in and around Europe and Asia and religious temples. Gold certainly has that that luster and that that uniqueness. And I, I couldn't put my finger on why, but I know it's certainly there as we all do. You said something in there that I want to ask you about. London Good Delivery. What does that mean? So London Good Delivery is a product of the LBMA. It's a standard of a gold bar, 400 ounces, uh, 995 purity. So that's parts per thousand. So it's 99.5% pure gold. Those bars are produced at gold refiners. Miners send their product, their output to a refinery. That refinery is attested by the LBMA to produce gold to a certain standard that gold can then be sent to the lbma market in london to the vaults operated in london by its members and that gold will be paid for at a price twice a day in the london market is there a usa equivalent to that or other global equivalents uh not that i'm aware of people have different standards of gold but i think it would be the presiding one for a large bar would be that the Chinese have the uh, Shanghai Gold Exchange, and they have a standard on the kilo bar, which is slightly purer. So it's 9999, four nines. So that's 99.99% pure. And they have a shared standard with the LBMA for that size of bar, which is exactly one kilo and exactly that purity. But otherwise, um, there's different standards, but it's kind of the recognized standard. So if you were measuring output of a car, there's plenty of ways you could measure that. But everybody looks at brake horsepower performance. Yeah. What, what is it like holding a bar? I mean, I know you just mentioned it, but like holding, I never held a gold bar, but I would assume that there's got to be like many emotions that go through somebody when you have just, my idea of holding a gold bar, there'd be it's valuable. It's heavier than I thought. I get like probably a surge of, of greed over me. <laughs> maybe a, a surge of fear how is it to hold something that heavy that valuable that kind of like stigmatized it's it's one of those things that, so my first exposure to gold was i think watching james bond goldfinger and um you know you'd see those bars of gold and people moving them around it's it's when you actually hold it and see how heavy it is you realize that uh carrying more than two or three of them is would be beyond a normal person i guess um it's just from the the 
the shape and everything if you if you made them easier uh, like a dumbbell or something that might be easier i got a big smile on my face i remember thinking now what am i holding here in my hands i'm holding like a pretty decent sports car i'm holding the uh, average price of a property in the uk in my hands at that time it was how fast could i run with this how many people are here to stop me i wish i was stronger and better <laughs> Yeah, a fun fact um, about gold, when you were talking about the percentages, the 99.5 and the 99.99949s, that, and you told me this last time we were speaking, is that when you're getting charged for gold, you're only getting charged for the pure gold that's in whatever you're buying. It's not, you're getting charged for the 99.5% gold that's in something or the 99.99, not just like the whole weight of an item. Is that, that's correct? Yeah, I mean, if you imagine if you were buying a, an ounce, let's call it an ounce of gold. So there's a troy ounce, which is the standard measurement for gold. Um, that's slightly heavier than a normal ounce. But let's say a troy ounce, it's 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 just over for us, for the rest of the people in Europe, it's about 31, just over 31 grams, if I remember correctly. So if whatever that weight is, let's say we're, we're looking at 10 pounds of gold, um, if that 10 pounds of gold was only 70% pure gold, you wouldn't want to pay 10 pounds for 70% of the gold. So you'd want to pay for the 70% that's in the 10 pounds. So if something's not pure, so it's like if you buy a bottle of whiskey, if you were buying only the alcohol, they tend to be 40% alcohol in the bottle. So you'd only be paying for that 40% of alcohol. You're paying for the flavor and everything else that's in there. But with a gold bar, so when gold leaves a mine, it's in a format that's called Dory Bar, and that's kind of a part product, and that's normally between 90 and 92% purity. So uh, it goes then to a refinery and is then refined to a standard. If it's going to London, then it's 995. If it's going to export market, as in to Asia or to small bars, which we call uh, kilo one kilo bars tend to be, uh, then it gets refined to a higher purity. So, and that costs money. So there's an implied cost, but also you're getting more gold in the ounce that you buy. So if you weigh something, the actual content of gold within that weight will affect the price. Is there any other commodity that does this and that operates that same way? The alcohol example was amazing because there is 40% alcohol in a bottle. And you don't pay for it like that. You pay for many different things, the distilling process, the aging, the barrel, the, the flavor of the oak or the whatever barrel you're putting in. Maybe it's, you know, port cast oak barrels or whatever. Um, so there's many different variables and factors that go into the price. Is there anything else that uses that kind of like, hey, you're only paying for the gold? Uh, I think other than the other precious metals, which are silver, platinum, palladium, there's a couple of others on the fringes of that rhodium and things like that. I think they all have that same similar pricing mechanism. So when you go and see silver, a piece of silver, it's probably got 925 written on it. And that's the same point. That's 92.5% pure silver. And then it will have other things in it. So when you think of people say, yeah, I've got, I've got some rose gold, for example, they've been to a jeweler and they bought a piece of jewelry and it's got rose gold gold only has one color there's no different shades of gold it's had something added to it to change that that the color of it so normally for rose gold they might have a bit of copper in it for uh, white gold is something people i've got a white gold ring um, white gold is normally has uh, a bit of platinum or palladium blended into it to or or a film on top of it to give it that that color change what that tend to be doing depending on market practices they're actually giving you a lesser valuable product and charging you a premium for it so if you think exactly how huh, those marketers so when you believe when you think that you go and buy um or if, if you dig gold out of the ground in scotland in russia sweden any part of africa the united states north america australia it's all exactly the same thing. It's an element. So gold is, you'll find it on the periodic table along with silver, platinum, palladium. They are they are elements and they don't have any differences in color. There's one shade for gold and uh, all those other things are additives for marketing and sales purposes. I want to keep going through this linear path, but I, I keep stopping on some things that you say. And the first thing that you said was that 
gold is refined in London to 99.5 and in Asia to 99 or the Shanghai market from 99.49s. Is there a really noticeable difference between the two? And the second question is, you said that silver is, is standardized at 92.5. Is it that silver or other precious metals aren't able to be refined to that purity? Uh, well, just, just to clarify a, a few points there, most of the LBMA refiners um, and they are they're global you'll find them all around the world in all in all continents just about um, they can they can produce metal to whatever standard you want so 995 or four nines as we call it but to wear that and have that as something that's usable normally you'd have to add a little bit to the metal to make it take the softness out of it so like if you've got a ring on your finger you take the ring off you don't want somebody to be able to squash it and bend it so they'll make that 18 carat or 9 carat or 14 carats you get so pure gold whether we talk about the investment grade gold which is the 995 and the 49s they are standards which are available in globally not restricted to london and china so 925 silver is exactly the same thing that's where I made that point because that's where it's you'll see it generally that's the purity that they use for jewelry got it got it gold has been used in many different ways in the past can you tell us the different ways that gold has been used over time as a currency i think i think outside of the concept of a coin as something that a barter and a a medium of exchange I don't think there's too many other uses for it in its form as a coin. But if you look at things like the uses for gold, so it conducts electricity, it's corrosion resistant, malleable, so it can be formed into different shapes. It's catalytic, so it can increase reactions. If you put it inside someone's body, then it doesn't have any reaction. Uh, doesn't cause any issues within a body. You know, if you put a piece of copper on your finger, then you'll get kind of a discoloration on your finger. So it has no reaction if you put it inside a body. So for some... So, so wait, uh, wait, you can eat gold and you'll be fine? I mean, you can go to some restaurants and you'll find them putting, uh, like on desserts, you'll see a bit of gold leaf on desserts. I'm sure you've seen that in a in a fancy restaurant somewhere. Right. And um, But I was just always thinking that, that it just can't be healthy. It just passes straight through you. It does it has no effect. It's in, it's inert, so it doesn't do anything to you. Oh no shit! So you know that that whole that whole piece that you know you, you if you break your leg, they'll give you a titanium bone or titanium screws. I just broke my leg last last year and had that done. Uh, they wouldn't make them out of gold because it's too soft. But you can certainly have certain like gold fillings in your mouth. That's a perfect example. So I know when I've had fillings made out of uh, gold or the old ones, they used to be made out of amalgam. Sometimes they taste a little bit funny or something. But gold has no taste, has no adverse effect on anybody's body. So that's that's another uh, interesting use of it. And I also read somewhere recently that they're using it on uh, some kind of to help cancer drugs, delivery of cancer drugs. Interesting. Interesting. So besides coins, gold has just been used maybe as barters, uh, conduction. We know about that. You know, they plate satellites going into space. Um, but it also was a backing currency for, for a while. You know, but gold isn't backing currency anymore. My question is, what is it being used for now? It was used to fuel two world wars. It was used to back the U.S. dollar. What is it? Why? Where's the, all the gold now if it's not being used to fund wars, if it's not backing currencies, if it's just traded as is, is it just traded as a store of value as commodity and is it really actually valuable if it's not being I guess, used firstly i wouldn't call it indestructible but uh, if you look around at the statistics they say that at least 98 percent of the gold that's ever been dug out of the ground is still out there in some form or another you, you can't really burn it in that kind of sense of the word so the central banks hold an awful lot of it and i think if you go back in time to when the Spanish were running around South America and let's call it appropriating metal down there, it was small amounts of gold in the 35, 40 ton kind of range of gold from what I remember. But when you look at gold production now, for the last five years, we've been averaging mine production of around 3,200 tons a year. So when you think there's 32,000 ounces in a ton, in a metric ton, and they're producing 3,200 a year on average, I think for the last five years, then you'll see that there's a lot of gold coming out of the ground. And where does that go? So I think about 50% of it goes to jewellery. And um, central banks are now net buyers of gold for the last few years. In the 80s, they were certainly sellers. And then uh, uh, there were some famous gold sales here in the UK around the turn of the century. And uh, this century from 1900s to 20, 
I think 2001, so 2001, two and three. And I was certainly involved in uh, in watching some of that stuff go on. Um, the UK government sold their reserves. So central banks are buyers at the moment and then investment products. So people buy gold, hold it. But if you look on a global average, I believe they say that only 1% of investment funds tend to be involved in gold. So for a product that's known globally, uh, it has a fairly low profile on people's investment radar. And I think that's, you know, there's certain reasons behind that. But I think gold will get easier to hold and easier to buy and sell. And I think it's, me personally, I think it's seriously undervalued at the moment. Gold is uh, seriously undervalued. What, what is the value today as we speak? Uh, I think it's about $1,280 per troy ounce. So uh, I didn't, I, I saw that this morning. Uh, it's been bouncing around, M- might be slightly lower, but it's about that. So what do you think the value is? The, the, the actual value of it? Well, I think if if you look at where things were in the beginning of the financial crisis ten years ago, gold was uh, probably around nine hundred dollars an ounce, something like that, and um, it's been up more than double that. It's been up to uh, nineteen hundred, and now it's back down to whatever we are around twelve seventy five, twelve eighty five, something like that. If you look at just cash against gold and the amount of cash that's been printed by governments. You know, we've got here in the UK, we call it quantitative easing when you can go and stand at that and watch the clock, as I have done in New York and see how much the US is printing and the European Union is printing. So most people are in the West. And those are the currencies that gold is benchmarked against. So the value of gold is when you see, for example, if we just take the US dollar, if the dollar strengthens and you say the dollar strengthens against all currencies, the theory is and the reality is that the price of gold will go down because it takes less dollars, less stronger dollars to buy that gold. If the dollar weakens, then gold appears to go up in value because it takes more dollars to buy the same ounce of gold. So I think when you look at how much extra currencies come out into the market and we say, okay, we've only got um, a 30% increase in the price when all this 10 years of turmoil, uncertainty, then I think I think definitely gold is, uh, you know, that's a very simplistic way of looking at it. But you have to you have to also add into that that I think in the last 10 years, we've had unprecedented gold production. So unprecedented levels of gold production. So um, those that has to be taken into consideration as well. But there's also a lot more cash out there and a lot more wealth in the world. And now a word from our sponsor, LinkedIn. Hiring the right person can make a huge impact on your business. I remember when I started Crypto 101 and it was just me doing everything from recording to interviewing to audio editing. And then I got my first audio editor. It made all the difference. I could put out more content with higher quality and this audio editor had the passion to make me sound great. As a result, Crypto 101 grew. That's why it's so important to find the right person. But where do you find this person? You can post on job boards and hope the right person will find your job. But think about it. How often do you hang out on job boards? I mean, I'm never there. Don't leave finding someone great to chance when you can post your job in a place where everybody goes every day to make connections, grow the career, and discover job opportunities. LinkedIn. You know what? Most LinkedIn members haven't recently visited top job boards. But 9 out of 10 LinkedIn members are open to new opportunities. And with 70% of the U.S. workforce on LinkedIn, you know, posting to LinkedIn is the best way to get your job opportunity in front of more of the right people. More of those people that are qualified, that are passionate for the role that you need to fill. It's the best way to find somebody. And that's why every 10 seconds, somebody's hired by using LinkedIn. So hurry to LinkedIn.com slash crypto and get $50 off your first job post. That's LinkedIn.com slash crypto to get $50 off your first job post linkedin.com slash crypto and find that person to help you grow terms and conditions apply now back to the show can we go into a little bit about how the u.s dollar was backed by gold what did that mean and how did that actually work so back in the 
time between the wars and uh, between the First World War and Second World War. And then after that, you can go and check the history and read up on it if you're interested. But but just as a, as a general outline, there was a gold standard. And then uh, towards the end of the Second World War, a lot of countries got together and sat down and ran through Bretton Woods Agreement. Bretton Woods' name came about from an area in, uh, I think it was in the eastern coast of the U.S., uh, an area where they they ran through ideas, and from these ideas, they were trying to find ways of imposing some and creating some monetary stability. The IMF, uh, the International Monetary Fund, was created, and at that time, they wanted to have a stable, kind of like a you could look at it now between uh, where we are with kind of Bitcoin bouncing around and all these different currencies bouncing around, and if you could tie those different currencies to something and make them stable it might make them more of a usable currency something usable and fungible for goods and services rather than an investment product so gold came along and uh, always still was around and they set a an exchange rate of 30 introducing wondersuite from bluehost.com the tool that makes wordpress wonderful for everyone Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. $35 per ounce. Now they hang, hang on to that level. That was set by uh, one of the US presidents and that ran through until well after the Second World War, from the mid 30s, I believe, until well after the Second World War, where they came to a point where gold was unsustainably low and they were having to sell it at a knockdown and markets were suspended and then when they came back the price was kind of uh, i think it was because of weaker currencies as well that principle that it takes more of a weaker currency to buy the asset so in theory the asset looks like it's gone up in value for that same reason gold was used to underwrite the dollar and dollar effectively was underwriting the global economy at that set exchange rate against gold so people held gold, which meant they could get $35 for every ounce of gold. And they sold a lot of gold to the US. At that time, the US gold reserves were, I think, over 20,000 tons. And now they're probably below a third of that. So um, there's been some balancing out in different gold reserves and how they hold and the balances of them. So going back to your previous statement, the way that the U.S. dollar fluctuates, I'm sorry, the way the gold price fluctuates with the strength of the U.S. dollar is, would you say, inverse of what it should be, that the U.S. dollar should be backed by gold instead of gold acting as a reactionary price to the U.S. dollar? Well, now I don't think there's uh, there's enough gold out there at its current value to, to underwrite uh, the amount of dollar debt that's out there. So or the amount of dollars in existence, I think there's... Uh, there's nowhere near enough. So I think I think can I can I can I, can I jump in there? Kind of kind of like kind of like Bitcoin. Um, if there's only going to be 21 million bitcoins, but bitcoins can, can be divided into so many different subsects, satoshis. To you know, no matter what the price of bitcoin is, it can be divided further and further and further to back whatever it wanted to be backed. For example, even if we used uh, the U.S. dollar or any kind of fiat and used bitcoin as a backing, couldn't gold be the same? It could be broken down from bars to ounces to grams to 
do is there really not enough gold? Well, I think the smallest deliverable piece of gold is a gram. So you can't get digital with it. I mean, I've I've worked on on plans and pieces to take gold into a digital form. But I guess if you look at it as something that's deliverable, that would be a gram. And that's a gram of gold now, I think, would be around $40. It's a small little speck. So kind of pinhead size. But I guess the issue is, is that if you said that you had to cover the amount of finance that's necessary. So if you look at just US dollars with gold, gold would actually have to have a lot more value. So if it was, let's say, 10 times the value, then that little speck of gold would be $400. So how do you divide that down if somebody wants delivery of it? So unless you convert it into digital holdings, so then then you have fractional ownership of those small minutiae. Back in the day, so, you know, Back pre-1971, a gold was held in, in central banks to underwrite currencies. And then those currencies, uh, Nixon came out and changed all that. And that allowed the, they said that the value of a, a currency was based on the, the GDP, the output of a country, not on its gold reserves. So then that allows countries and, and uh, governments to print cash because they don't have to tie it to anything else. So uh, that's, that's where you see devaluation of currencies and uh, imbalances like we have in, in eco- economies mm-hmm. in Europe. So, mm-hmm. I just thought of an idea, and I wonder, just tell me if this is a possible idea. You know, we are talking about Bitcoin as being the gold standard of the future. But then I think that a, a lot of, I guess, you know, maybe cognitive dissidence that people have is like, what is it? It is, it's nothing. It's code. <laughs> like, that's nothing tangible. We still love the feeling of having something tangible, ha- being able to take our U.S. dollars and get, you know, something physical and, and have it under our mattress if we want to. It, do you think it's a possibility that gold, the gold standard still exists, but maybe Bitcoin is that tool to break down those grams of gold into uh, smaller pieces and we are actually just using a gold-backed Bitcoin to fiat kind of like triad system? I, I think there's a gold standard in another sense. And I think if you go to Asia, they have a standard in gold that I think currencies kind of come and go and they go up and down. And I think there's a, a certain uh, spiritual relationship to gold over there. And I think people would rather have gold certainly than currencies and whatever those currencies are. I think relationships between these things that it's all a balance. I don't think there's ever going to be an outright medium. And I, I know if my father was here and I was trying to explain to him what Bitcoin was, he'd say, uh, so when the bomb goes off or something happens and there's no electricity, how are you going to do anything? So there's a funny, there's a, there's a funny form of gold bar that you can buy from uh, gold and silver bars that you can buy from certain refiners and they're called chocolate bars. And um, what it is, is you know how you get in a chocolate bar, you can snap it and break it. So you can get blocks of gold that snap and break like that and silver. So what you're actually doing then is you're taking real gold and you're snapping it off. And hopefully if the bomb's gone off, you can go and find somebody with a loaf of bread or, a, or, or, uh, or some diesel for your car or your vehicle or some uh, shotgun shells who'll swap them for your little piece of gold or silver. Because at that point in time, there's no way to exchange anything electronically. So then then where do we go? Where's that leave the, the anarchist dream of Bitcoin if there's no power around to reasonably exchange? Now I, I have to go into the dystopian future uh, aspect of this. Uh, you made a really good point. You know, if, if, if a bomb falls, well, what is Bitcoin? I mean, what is the dollar maybe? Uh, we, that, those are all very good points. Something that stood the test of time is gold. But in that situation, wouldn't you rather have like a shit ton of food down in your basement? Exactly. What is the what is the value yeah. of gold in in those in those situations? Is in gold wouldn't gold just act like fiat or Bitcoin? It would just go away and actually, you know, really Maslow's base pyramid <laughs> needs will come into play. Where we need food and shelter and safety and of course some sex. Um, and 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 those are the, the important things. I guess if I was standing there and I had my kids and I'm in the woods and I was going to take some stuff with me and I had. In my house, I had some gold and I had some cash and I had some food. I would take all the food and from a weight point of view, I'd probably take some cash and but I'd also take some gold with me because you know I guess wait, you, wait, wait, you, wait. you, you can't you stuff. can't stack the scenario and take everything. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of everything. <laughs> 
So we, but that's that, that's when you look at people's investments. That's how they treat it. They kind of have it have it sitting there. It's kind of like that just in case thing, you know, where they have, you know, there, it is a st- well known statistic that um, uh, globally one in one only one percent of investment portfolios, or on average, only one percent of is included as gold in an investment portfolio. Interesting. Do you think that's a wrong balance? Uh, I don't think it's a wrong. You know, how can you say it's wrong? I think I think you know. Uh, I guess it's a personal opinion. Should they have more? Should they have 10%? Well, if they did, the price would be a lot higher than it is now. There'd be a massive amount of people looking to buy. And I think then you get down to how much gold is on the planet and how much have we found and how much has, you know, and I think the World Gold Council do a good job of keeping an eye on how much gold is out there and how much gold is in the ground, so to speak. But that's only provable assets that are in the ground. And you think that 70% of the planet is covered in water so if the price of gold went up exponentially, I mean, it became so valuable, I think you'd see people mining for gold as they do already. I watch Discovery Channel as they go underwater looking for it. So I think there's there's certainly um, not a limitless supply, but a very interesting uh, further further levels of supply once it gets economically viable to pull it out of the ground. You know, you're bringing up some really good points, and we're talking about price a lot of gold. We're talking about people going to mine, and I think that is almost juxtaposing into Bitcoin, but we're not quite there yet. When it comes to mining, you know, people are finding ways to mine Bitcoin. Of course, now it's ASIC mining. You have to get your ant miners. You have to get something that has the hashing power of uh, that can, you know, mine Bitcoin. But, you know, there's other coins you can mine. So people are going out and driving up prices of GPUs of, I don't even think there's any CPU mining anymore. Maybe uh, a couple coins are. But... Uh, so you see that, you know, the the average folk is like, hey, this is something I can make money off of. We're going to find the tools. We're going to start going to uh, mine these uh, commodities. But what other mechanisms are there that regulate the price or how do you regulate buy, sell gold? How do you move gold? How do governments hold gold? What is the structure, the global structure of, I guess, gold management? Would that be it? Or administration? Well, the yeah, that's a that's a that's a <laughs> can write a book on that one. Um, so central banks still still hold gold. I think as if I was on back of a fag packet, as we say, so on a napkin kind of idea that if you're printing cash, you're printing a lot of cash, uh, as most governments in the West are now. I would certainly take some of that cash and buy gold because it, it's kind of giving you free gold because you've printed cash for for nothing in reality. And it's, you know, that, that's where politics and economics kind of kind of run head on into each other. So the global gold market, when you look at the, let's say, where the main center for that market is, it's this LBMA market I was talking about. So that has 35 banking members. They've got uh, refiners and mines. None of the central banks are members of it. Um, but there's a lot of clients to that market. So there's, you know, all the jewelry business, there's all the uh, the different spin-off markets around that where people can come and either buy gold or go to a bank and buy gold. So they'll go to your HSBC, JP Morgan type kind of guy and just say, okay, I want to make a gold investment. That bank will sell them gold and they can hold that in, in a vault in London or they can hold it on account, which means it remains on the bank's balance sheet in the bank, wherever that is, but the gold is actually held physically in London and remains in in London. So there's different methods of holding gold and uh, different different costs applied to that. Um, you can go and buy gold as an ETF, which is an exchange traded fund. Biggest ones are in on U.S. markets, and those are places where you buy a share of gold that's held in vaults in London, and you can trade that like a stock and just buy and sell it, and people will market make it. So there's always a price there for it. The principle of the market in London means that there's always a place for the miners and refiners to deliver to. So there's a terminal market where that you know that there's a place that you can sell gold if you produce it. So twice a day in London, there's a thing which used to be called the fix. It's now called the daily auction. Um, and the history of the fix, it's been going on for a long, long time. And it used to be when I started in the market, twice a day, uh, five guys from five banks would go into a room in Rothschild's Bank in London and they'd be on the phones with their dealing rooms and they'd get orders from those people and they'd put little flags up and down depending on if they were ready at that price to buy or sell. So what they do is this auction would mean that everybody within a tolerance would be able to buy as much as they need or sell as much as they need. 
and that would provide the daily, the twice daily benchmark. That's done now electronically, and that gives us that daily price in gold. So those are the benchmarks that people use to underwrite certain trades and transactions in the market. So the final thing to touch on, I guess, is the um, in America, they have the CME, which is the world's, a bit, I believe, biggest futures exchange, fantastic piece of technology and run by some very smart people and um, has some amazing people in and around that to keep that institution running. Uh, I know some of the people there very well. And what that is, that's a futures exchange. So that's to buy a cash settled futures exchange. So they don't have much gold underwriting. It's not one for one underwritten, but you can go and say buy. It's a financial futures market. So I'll just leave it at that. Otherwise, I'll spend half an hour explaining how that could run. No, no worries. No worries. Uh, gold security. You know, if, if all of this gold is like kept in London, like what kind of security is there to you? I know the easiest word is a lot. But what, what, what do they have to protect this gold? So they've got these different grades of vaults, and these are obviously the highest grades of vaults. They're underground. But yet again, gold's quite heavy. It's not so bulky, but you can drive a truck into it. So if you take, um, what's a good analogy? So if you look at the tragic thing, so the, 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 the World Trade Center. So when the World Trade Centers uh, were attacked and went down, there was a vault underneath there. And the vaults, underneath the World Trade Center, you saw, we've all seen the images there and everything. They recovered every ounce that was in those vaults. So from that point of view, if somebody, there was some catastrophic accident, the metal is still there. So what's the next point of theft? So if somebody tried to steal gold, so if somebody wanted to steal a ton of gold, that's $40 million, that's 80 large bars of gold. They've then got to get it out, move it, get it somewhere else i think possibly the most uh definitely in europe the biggest one was the brinks mat robbery and that was at heathrow airport where they robbed the plane it was being moved to a plane i believe but the issue is there it's it's kind of funny it's similar to the the crypto market when it's held within the system this stuff is fairly secure and and doesn't get taken or attacked but it's when it's being moved so it's kind of like the on and off ramps where it becomes susceptible so at those on and off ramps, you never have the whole quantity that's in the market. And when you think of the thousands of tons that are in the in the vaults in London, it would be pretty hard to go and move those all at once. You'd have to have lorries backed up and plenty of staff there. And then and then and then the other thing is is is, is where do you take it and what do you do with it? You know, hey, if you uh, you said lor- the the lorries backed up, I, I think of what was it Die Hard two or three? Exactly, the- you saw them running around with the. <laughs> That's such an impossible situation, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, but it's it's kind of fun, <laughs> you know. It's it's like uh, Goldfinger, you know. Just you know, I mentioned that movie earlier on. You know, they're just fantastic things and images that we have of gold. You know, they could have. Um, so, if you took an average dinner table and you covered it with gold bars, you'd probably get close to a ton of gold on top of that table, just in that kind of two-inch thick layer. So you can imagine the weight that you could fill a truck up with volumetrically, how much weight that would be in one of those trucks, which is, I guess it's right. They had a few of those dump trucks, but um, you wouldn't get much in it. And uh, the, the problem is, is what do you do right. with it? You kind of have to trickle it out and, uh, right. Um, right. you know, who, who do you sell it to? The, the, guys who, the guys who have the financial muscle to buy it off you are the guys you just took it from. So it's kind of, you know. That, that, that was actually going to be going to my next question. Um, how do people move it? Just I, I heard about the Brinks and I heard about the Heathrow. Um, but how does how, if you were going to move, if, if somebody you know said, hey, give me my billion bars of gold, I'm going to put it in my vault. It, it, it seems like a big undertaking. Uh, the guys that do it. So there's there's four main companies here globally that kind of look after that. And they have they have their affiliates around the world. But there it, it's a very slick well looked after exercise so if you take and I, i've said brinks but so I, I guess i better say the others so that i know there's a company called loomis out of sweden there's g4s and a company called malcaramit so those guys are all central to how the the bullion market works i know people from all those businesses they're very professional and they're super efficient so you could move a ton of gold 
from London to Hong Kong for under $10,000. That covers insurance, getting out to an aeroplane, on an aeroplane. It's pretty good value. So those guys are super efficient. But if you think about it, what it is, is you give your gold to one of those guys. He comes up and he picks it up. Theoretically, you're putting it into his vault. Now, his vault is kind of because it's in his custody and in his trust. And what they say is we guarantee and we ensure that we will move your product from our truck back in into your into your goods outward point. We'll pick your, your metal up mm-hmm. and then we will deliver it to your client or to your other facility, be that in Switzerland or Singapore or whatever. And when it comes out the other end, it's the same thing. It's what it is. And that's to do with the custody of, of the metal and, and how good these guys are at moving these things around. So I don't think I'm spilling the beans too much, but there's I've been in buildings where there's been thousands of tons of precious metal and um, you would drive past it without knowing it. No shit. As many people do on a day, as many people do on a daily basis. There's it's a strange thing, you know, it's it's we can put things in place on the planet where you look at when they, they have now in, in crypto this uh, cold wallet ceremonies and six trusted people going into a room and, and playing around with a couple of laptops. Well, you know, the, the gold gold market's been doing that for a long, long time where you have your trusted employees. You know, there's five main vaults where that the LBMA uses for keeping the gold in London. Then there's the Bank of England and possibly one other and a couple of warehouses out near the airport. So, you know, to be a vault manager is one of the rarest jobs in on the planet, possibly, you know, it's like being an astronaut. So um, there's more astronauts than there are gold vault managers, probably. That's interesting. That's interesting. I think we came up to the point where I want to talk about Bitcoin, uh, especially since you said that you can transfer a ton of gold for $10,000. You can transfer the same value of Bitcoin for a couple bucks uh, to Hong Kong, and it's not going to take a day. It's going to take, you know, 30 minutes, three confirmations or something like that, four confirmations or however many confirmations the exchange has set until they're satisfied. Um, Do you think that people comparing Bitcoin and gold, Bitcoin as the digital gold or as a new gold standard or the Bitcoin standard, do you think that this comparison is fair and accurate? Uh, No, (laughs) I, I, I don't. Okay, well, right there, full stop, end of the the conversation, see you later, good night, thank you very much, Mike, for coming on. (laughs) Because uh, I think, so so my viewpoint on it is, I think uh, a blockchain and a crypto style element to gold is definitely on its way, and I think it's, if you think of more around, I think, a a stable coin um, that's backed by physical gold and there's a few of them out there i'm not sure they have the 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 formula of them just right and i think i think it's the the endearing thing i think about bitcoin when you're talking about crypto is is you know bitcoin is still benefiting from that first mover's advantage and i think it's kind of blasted a a a trail there that when you see from a technical point of view definitely ethereum has more advantages but bitcoin is still that first mover that's there and i think you know, it's still susceptible to that point that, you know, just just think in a year's time or tomorrow morning or something like that, something turns around and they say, hang on, we found a back door. Those things can't really happen with gold. Now, I definitely believe the Chinese have an awful lot more gold than they say they do. And it would be hard to argue that they don't have an awful lot more gold than they say they do. But I think there's those fallibilities of things that are made by man and uh, man-made creations. And I think that's that thing that gold is not a man-made creation. It has that charm that you can go and dig it out of the ground and people dig it out of the ground. You can go and watch different shows on Discovery Channel. And it's that there's these two things running head on into each other when you compare gold and crypto or gold and Bitcoin particularly, is that crypto has this mathematical layer of trust Whereas if someone gives you something that's gold and it's chemically proven to be gold, is that more trustworthy? So because you can hold it and touch it and you can make a ring out of it and put it on the finger of someone that you love and all the symbolism that's behind that. So what does Bitcoin give you? I think it's it's, it's an interesting thing. I think blockchain, though, will be combined with gold to create a hybrid medium of exchange. 
And I think, as I said, there's a couple of things out there. I have my own ideas about it. And uh, there's a lot of people, I think, when, when these man-made things come along, and I think that's kind of the, the unique thing possibly about and the endearing thing about Bitcoin is that there's nobody has ownership on it and outside of this fabled Japanese guy's name that there's no ownership of it it just seems to be a really has that sense of independence I guess a little bit like gold does but the issue around you know which one will win out I think uh, I think I call that all the all the currencies on the planet there's only a couple of countries on the planet that don't have their own currency and I think there's a little bit of space for a little bit of everything out there I don't think anything's going to win its way through so do you think Bitcoin, do you think Bitcoin, not talking about blockchain, but Bitcoin has a future in finance, in global stability, in maybe a new financial system or structure? No, not, not unless it gets quicker to trade. And for it to be that, I think there's too many tainted coins out there. I think there's too much has gone on prior to where we are now that that taint it as i said i think it will always be there it has that first mover advantage but it's going to be possibly quite a little bit like gold is you know where it's like well what's the use of it you know it's going to be it's going to be that investment sentiment product interesting mike greenacre i want to say thank you very much for an hour of your time i want to say thank you for your research into the subject using your many years of experience and trying to squeeze them all into an hour so i appreciate it sir well, uh, my pleasure and uh, nice to be back here again. Uh, I'd just like to say that uh, I try to be as correct as I can be in that. And uh, there may be a few statistical inaccuracies. Don't hang me out for it. But um, it's been really interesting and enjoyable. Thanks very much. No, no, no way to hang, out, hang you out for that. Uh, but before we go, is there any Twitter or any way for people to contact you if they have questions or want to just get in touch with you? Uh, they can get me on. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Um Mike Greenacre and uh, that's it at the moment I kind of keep my head down right on thank you Mike for coming on the show my pleasure thank you Matthew thank you very much for listening to this episode of Crypto 101 Mike thank you very much for coming on the show it was a pleasure to talk to you again in our next episode we go back to 101s on great projects in the space I'm looking forward to sharing those projects with you and don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn, Crypto 101, Twitter, Crypto underscore underscore 101, and my personal Twitter, Matthew underscore underscore 101. I'd love to have you there. Join the conversation. Ah, and if you do want to join the conversation, come to the Crypto 101 community on Facebook and feel free to engage, ask any questions, leave any comments, or have any criticisms. And on a side note, I will be in New York from the 8th until the 16th. So if anybody from the Crypto 101 community is in New York, please reach out to me on Facebook or Twitter. DM me. Let's get a meetup going. Let's meet up in New York. Let's have some good conversations. And let's talk blockchain, cryptocurrency, digital assets, and the future of society. We'll see you in future episodes of Crypto 101. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.